0: Complete Tech Heads. Welcome running baby. Complete Tech Heads. running baby. Complete Tech Heads. running baby. Complete Tech Heads. Welcome running baby. Hello and welcome back to the Complete Tech Heads podcast with me Tom Edwards. This week I am talking with a man who I have been hoping to have a conversation with on this podcast pretty much ever since I started with it uh, he's a man called Matt Navara who is a very well-known social media consultant and the founder of a I guess an online community it's a Facebook and it's a newsletter uh, called the social media geek out um, now Matt is as we discuss in in the episode really he is is a journalist of social media in particular so he he's really like a newswire for social managers and social, you know, editors, brand managers, that kind of stuff. Very, very valuable resource for those of us who've spent time working in digital marketing. So in this episode, I really wanted to get an expert opinion on the Twitter slash X rebrand and repositioning and all of the changes that are happening to the platform. Regular listeners will know that I'm still quite quite bullish. I mean, firstly, I'm hopelessly addicted to Twitter still, uh, so I'm on it all the time still. Um, I also feel like there is a, there they are rapidly rolling out lots of different features, some of which are working, others of which are not. Um, so I'm still very much undecided. And I wanted to talk to Matt because I know that he is far more bearish on Elon and and X and He really makes a good case in many ways. So I I thought it was a very compelling conversation. I mean, he says in the conversation that he doesn't think Elon really knows how to run a social network and gives lots of pretty convincing reasons for that. I think we talk a lot about content moderation. We talk a lot about the Twitter premium offering, what used to be called Twitter Blue. We talk about the new CEO, Linda Iaccarino, who came from the media world, who should hopefully understand this world a bit better and potentially start to bring advertisers back. But as Matt says, there are issues around so-called brand safety with Twitter. So really it's a balance between this idea of free speech and this idea or this the idea of free speech absolutism and content moderation, and brand safety. And that's the kind of fundamental tension, I think, at the heart of what's happening at X. I think I tend to lean more towards the, the free speech side myself, although I wouldn't call myself an absolutist on the platforms. I, I, I really don't have a super strong opinion. I think it, I found this conversation interesting because I wanted to be kind of educated and to kind of have a good think about it i suppose and i think matt was a great guest and and he's clearly very very knowledgeable so i really enjoyed the conversation and i hope you do too please do get in touch let me know what you think share the podcast and subscribe as well i i know that lots of podcast people wang on about subscribing all the time i haven't done that but i probably should so you know if you've listened to this once or twice or whatever Make sure you subscribe on Spotify or or wherever else it is that you are listening to it on. Um, And clearly there are some of you out there. Um, There are regular listeners. I am getting listens coming in from all over the world, um, which is awesome. So thanks. Thank you for all of the time that you have shared with me in this audio environment. Um, personally I listen to podcasts when I'm walking the dog around the park and I uh, (laughs) I don't know why I'm telling you this but if you're also walking your dog around the park then you know uh, like give him a pat on the head from me and just make sure you enjoy that walk because I frequently (laughs) do okay I'm gonna stop rambling now I don't know why I'm going on such a ramble this episode without further ramble Without further delay, without further ado, here is the very excellent Matt Navarro. Hello, friends. I am delighted to be here with the UK's preeminent authority on all things social media, the founder of the social media geek out, Matt Navarro. Thanks very much for joining me, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Um, awesome. So look, um, plenty to get into today. Um, I want to talk to you about... Twitter slash X and Elon and Zuck and Linda Yaccarino and all of that good stuff Um, but first of all if you wouldn't mind just give me a bit of an intro to you your background um, because I feel like I've been as I said to you just before we joined following you for years Um, I don't know exactly how many years that is but um, you've certainly been a great source of information um, and opinion and industry news for me. So, yeah, I'd love to get a quick rundown just on your, on your background and kind of how you came to be in this mad world.
1: Yeah, indeed. Well, thank you. I feel really old now. That's not good. Um, (laughs) But I, um, yeah, I've been working in social probably for uh, 20 years experience, really. I think my first social job was 2009. Uh, I did do like five or six years working straight out of uni for a bank, and I was a teacher for a while. And I did a range of marketing jobs before I landed upon a job working for the government as a sort of comms and press PR person in, in Wales. And then they... Uh, Social was kind of becoming a a thing and uh, I took it upon myself to kind of create some accounts to uh, set up for the government department that I was working for and uh, from there I kind of that snowballed had some success for that working for the uh, cabinet office and then for Downing Street and a few other government departments and then I worked for the next web for a while which was a tech news platform and uh, conference business so I was their head of social for uh, tech news publishing really and did that for some time and uh, eventually in that period I built up a little bit of a geeky following about social media news and updates and finding features and things that people didn't know about the platforms, um, which led to where I am now, really, which is uh, suddenly went freelance in, oh, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was 2019. Uh, and I went to started doing consulting and speaking at events and uh, starting a newsletter and a podcast and, and everything else. So that's kind of my sort of quick synopsis of, of how I've come to be in social.
0: Awesome. Well, as as one of said Geeks, um I would uh, yeah thank you for your uh, for your for your service so so look the the, the main reason I wanted to um, get you on is to talk about Twitter slash X um, we've obviously it feels like there's there's new news on it um, happening literally every day um, for better or for worse <laughs> um, and that's kind of what I want to get to the to the bottom of um, so like first of all I'd love to get your take on the rebrand on X. Like, is it is it just needless destruction of brand equity? Or do you think it's actually,
1: you know, a smart, brave new direction? Like, where are you? On that continuum. Um, Yeah, I'm torn really on it. Like, uh, initially, when I first saw the news, I was actually away on vacation in Greece at the time a few weeks ago, and it kind of all happened. Um, and my first reaction was, oh, what's, he, what's he doing now? Um, you know, the, the kind of destruction of the platform had been, you know, going on for some time, and you, you kind of wondered why he was spending 44 billion on a company which he's then proceeded to do almost what seems like everything he could to kind of destroy any value it had that could you know make it worth keeping in the long run um but certainly when the name the branding was destroyed and it switched to x which i think we all kind of knew was coming because he'd been buying the domain and he talked about x and the anything app and he's got this kind of addiction and like kind of need to have like an x um, platform so we all sort of knew it was coming i don't think we quite realized it would be so dramatic but we should have probably guessed it would be in some ways given you know the speed and the the kind of chaos of the previous other changes Um, but yeah you know twitter's you know was a cultural phenomenon in many ways it may not have been the best business from a revenue point of view and it had the same challenges and risks and issues that all social platforms have with content moderation and har- harassment and bullying and, and everything else that comes with, you know, a social network. But at the heart of it, it was something that was quite unique and different to everything else that was there, which was what kind of kept it going. You know, it was it had an outsized Cultural relevance and reach beyond yeah. what maybe people should um, expected from it, um, and you know it was the heart of news and breaking news. It had, uh, it was a place you, where you went to to get you know real time updates on things, and you know there would be trolls and there would be garbage on there, but there just, you know there was enough value in there for people to to kind of keep feeding their addiction with tweets. But you know now that all of that, the logo, the branding, the the, the kind of the, the just the term a tweet is is now being removed from our lexicon so uh it's now posts which is pretty generic um and i still refuse to call it x i still you know at most you'll get me in in a tweet saying twitter brackets x um but as the weeks have gone by i think i've got to a point where you know i've read what the rationale from elon is and from um, the new ceo is um, in terms of really needing a, 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 a fresh start a, a kind of reset of the brand and kind of rid itself of all of the things that uh, come with the connotations and associations with its old brand and and it is twitter wasn't what it was and you know it, X changed it, and Twitter, um, Elon Musk, and made such dramatic changes to it that it, it wasn't Twitter anyway. People were calling it Twitter 2.0, but in many ways, it was a, a completely different product and platform. And to my mind, not not a good one. Um, so we are where we are. So, um, so, yeah. So,
0: sorry, just to jump in there. So, like you you mentioned that uh, the platform had been declining, that they'd they'd ruined what was what was valuable about it. I think was the way that you put it. Mm. So, what is the essence of of that then like what where do you think they've gone wrong and and what do you think the ramifications
1: might be well i think that there was certainly brand and equity built up with what twitter was and people kind of knowing what What Twitter stood for and what it what was all about and what it services it offered and it you know its relevance to people in terms of news and and as a service of kind of breaking uh, news and information was kind of you know well established and uh, you know relationships and connections to kind of uh, not only to advertisers which is at the moment obviously in chaos but certainly with newsrooms and and the thing that kind of for most people it was most famous for and had most success with in terms of um, social is is Completely destroyed, and I think that was already destroyed before you know the the change in brand. But I think that this was just the closing of that chapter. Um, I think that it does present new opportunities now because you know they've completely got rid of everything that was Twitter. There's just a few you know sort remnant parts of, of it to remind us of what it was, and at the heart of it, it's still pretty much the same basic platform but i think we're going to see even more changes over the the months and years ahead and and whether that that's for the better arguably i would say at the moment that it's not and i don't think it will ever reach the same level of importance or relevance that that Twitter did. And even if it did grow its numbers and its audience to beyond what it's been able to do up until now, I think that the audience and the sorts of ways that people use it and what people get from the platform will be quite a lot different. Uh, And I think the existing users will probably not warn to that and it will be a different kind of user base. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, so so I'm still hopelessly addicted to Twitter slash X as much as I, I have been for years. Um, but it's obviously changing. Um, I think that the the introduction of, of paid for blue ticks and the prevalence of them and the kind of up weighting of paid for blue ticks in the algorithm, potentially at the expense of impressions for people who don't have them, is a big part of that. Like, what 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 are the is that the biggest change? Do you think? Like, what else in terms of the actual substance of the feed and What's in there, in terms of value to the user, is changing. Like, where, like, do you think that's the main thing? Is the is the the promotion of blue ticks above
1: non? Well, I think that's that was a significant moment in its in its recent history in terms of the the period since Elon's taken over. You know, the destruction. Um, you know, completely putting a sledgehammer through what most people thought of a verification or what they expected from it. You know, yeah. from my, it, no, verification has never been perfect and it's never been ideal in terms of the the, the method and the, the process for choosing people to be verified or requesting to be verified. Um, and it wasn't foolproof in terms of, you know, it being a hundred percent certain that the person with the blue ticket was actually really useful. You know, that's the, the thing of that is it's all very subjective. However, in terms of, you know, for me, going on the platform and being able to use the verified tab to identify out of the many notifications that are on there every day which ones might be slightly more important or worthwhile checking because it was from a verified account that was quite a significant valuable tool to both journalists to regular power users and to to other users that um, as well um, but now the blue tick doesn't stand for or doesn't have any you can't have any confidence or trust that it's going to be someone that's going to have be posting things that are useful to you interesting or valuable because it's now a pay to play anyone can pay to have um blue and so ma- i think the majority of the people now that are uh what they call a premium it's not blue anymore it's called premium um are oh, accounts that have missed less that one have <laughs> <Well, laughs> only just, just changed it and you, you'd be you'd be forgiven given the amount of changes but the um yeah. the uh the, yeah the majority of people that are verified are um have less than 100 followers uh, or less than 200 followers and right. it's still i think less than between something like half a million and three quarters of a million people out of all of the users on Twitter who have paid for premium which is 0.5 percent so it it has completely transformed the platform that's that one single thing and we saw the crazy and chaotic implementation that was the start of brands starting to get um, uh, frightened of using the platform and and resisting using it and they're still fighting to to recover from that.
0: Yeah so that's a a great segue
1: into my next question.
0: Um so you are um obviously you're a you're a consultant amongst many other things. So presumably you're talking to advertisers a lot, um, as as am I my day job. Um so I think the introduction of Linda Iaccarino as someone from the media world um was obviously intended to Try to bring advertisers back on side. Try to make the platform compelling for brands and as a, you know, as a a valuable platform. What's your take on on Linda? Do you think she's doing a good job so far? How much of a job ahead of her do you think she's she's got?
1: Um, yeah, you know, I wasn't um, that familiar with her until the role that she took on at Twitter. Um, I'd sort of seen her name mentioned in places. She was, you know, obviously worked with NBC before, and those that work heavily in the advertising field and particularly in entertainment fields, and if you're sort of US based, will be more much more familiar. Which obviously I I, I wasn't at the time, but some, in terms of the things that she's attempted to do and is trying to do, you know, all make sense, they're all sensible things you know, courting um, sort of really important advertisers trying to recover a very delicate situation in terms of the strained relationships with advertisers due to Elon Musk's behaviour and tweeting and also his um, decisions around content moderation and his overall ideology and his ethos around what he wants the platform to be, this whole free speech absolutionist stance, which, you know, uh, we we could probably spend an hour debating, you know, the the intricacies of that, but to my mind, telling and and giving people the ability to say what they want, when they want, how they want, no matter how, you know, foul, disgusting and and, and kind of controversial and um, uh, repulsive it is, is somehow the best thing because it's freedom of speech and it doesn't matter about you know the rest of the platform I think is is so you know is massively misguided you know brands even with all of the recent changes that they've tried to implement to do uh, add brand safety into the platform it still um, doesn't feel like a a safe haven or safe place for advertisers to um, place their content and and spend their money. So um, I think she's done, you know, made some good decisions. I think she's done probably all that she could do in in the time that she's had. I think that the challenge will arise for her that she mentioned in a recent interview this week that she has, you know, people are constantly saying how much, pressure does Elon put upon you, and how much is it his decision goes, um, and how much do you have autonomy? And she's made it clear that she has autonomy. I think she'll have autonomy until they have a disagreement or of, of, of opinion around probably things to do with content moderation and what he does on the platform, what he wants out of the platform. And, and when that um, difference of opinion occurs, elon we've seen from the last year in terms of how he's treated staff will likely fire her or he will overrule her and she will get fed up of being overruled and uh, eventually that will will tire so i i don't i'm not optimistic that in two three years from now we'll see the same ceo in that seat um really but um i think that for the time being She's doing as good a job as she can do. But I think I think Elon still believes and she seems to be going along with the idea that um, the platform is not Elon and Elon is not the platform. And therefore, what Elon does shouldn't matter or worry advertisers. And they need to kind of forget that. Well, that, no, that not at all, because he is such a uh, controversial Figure who's had such a, he's you know, and he's the ultimate Twitter power user. Um, and he, you know, makes a display of kind of being, you know, intentionally inflammatory on his own platform. And what he says and does and behaves signals everything about what the company stands for. And they cannot make that distinction separate. And unfortunately that's going to be a problem for both of them.
0: Wow. Okay. So you think, do you think that advertisers are literally looking at Elon as an individual And making judgments about Twitter as a platform because that personal brand is so closely tied to the brand of the business.
1: Well, he, he, you know, he's such a central figure. He, you know, he is ultimately the, the main character and wants to be the main character on the platform and does everything in his power. You know, I think he's even tweaked the algorithm at times we've read in the last year to, to tip it in his favour so that he is the star of the show and he wants to kind of get, he, he thrives off of the, the kind of adrenaline boost and the ego boost that, you know, being the, the, the biggest, most popular user on the platform gives him and the fact that he owns it and controls it will only inflate that. So I think don't think he can separate himself from the company in any meaningful way um for for business purposes he's also said in interviews in recent mu- months i think what the interview with who was it with i think it was with one of the american networks saying that he if, if his decisions mean that the company loses money or he, he loses substantial amounts of money that's fine by him and i think yeah, that I tells that. you everything about how he will go about making decisions um in in the future of the platform
0: yeah I mean the free speech thing i, I don 't want to get i don't want to get bogged down too much in free speech but it, it's interesting. I was talking to a a company called mantis analytics in 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 Kiev last week a guy called anton um, and they 're building an AI platform to try to identify and combat misinformation disinformation so we were talking about the difference and malinformation and you know trying to kind of categorize these different types of content. Mm. And in terms of their relative danger. And I think in a case like Ukraine, it's it's a bit more cut and dry. Right. Like it's like a lot of the time it's like battlefield information or it's deliberate, you know, Russian propaganda or whatever. It's it's, I think it's very clear, you know, that they're fighting a war. I think often in the West, in the UK, the US, there probably is more gray area. Right. And it is. And as you said yourself, I think every social media company has had real struggles with content moderation. Uh, Like, do you think like, this is the kind of thing that Facebook has spent years and years trying to perfect. And then, you know, Twitter has just come in and like a bull in a China shop, just sort of thrown
1: all of that received wisdom out the window. I think that Elon Musk at the the heart of all of this doesn't understand how to run a social network uh, and his Uh, To my mind, in my opinion, his previous business success in his financial success, which probably signals to him that he, you know, his um, smart decisions in the past and his achievements in the past are giving him such uh, an ego kind of swell that it, you know thinks almost that he can't make any wrong decision. Um, or, or maybe it's not that. And it's just that he believes that you know that the, the mistakes he's made are insignificant, and that you know that learning on the job. But ultimately, he understands how to make this business a, a successful one. I think from a kind of basic operational level, and and from a squeezing out the revenue and cutting out the costs and and driving down expenses and you know all of that sort of efficiency side of things you know he's clearly very talented at that and has has done what's been needed to do regardless of whether the way he's approached it has been uh, appropriate or reasonable or whatever else but in terms of the the human element and um, the psychology of social media and how people interact online and and what you know by pushing in one thing here something else pops out somewhere else in terms of the the, the kind of effect of his decision making on a social network i don't think he fully understands that and and, and i don 't think he will accept that others know better and he's he's previously fired people for suggesting that he that they do know better and that he is wrong so I think that's that's part of the problem um in terms of the the content moderation side and the kind of um decisions to kind of pull down the safety rails and safety guards and to give people more freedom of speech but not freedom of reach which is a mm-hmm. mantra that's been preached by for a long time i think somehow that elon thinks he come up with that and he obviously didn't but um i think they're misguided decisions and they are not ultimately going to serve his business well in terms of creating a platform, whether it's um, one that generates revenue through subscriptions or through um, being multi, you know, offering multiple services or through advertising is that that is appealing and attractive to um, advertisers or subscribers or mainstream kind of users because uh, we've seen in history with all of the platforms that when platforms become toxic and um, have problems with content moderation they don't become, they're do not they not pleasant places to be, there's all sorts of le- legal and regulatory problems that it brings with it and you tend to get the fringes and the extremes of people's um, behaviour and uh, uh, ideologies and it attracts the, the kind of, I would say the worst elements of people that use social because it permits that and and it's what generates um the engagement in the activity so we're already seeing that he's brought back some of the worst suspended accounts from twitter from the past and he's permitting far more you know really just unpleasant kind of content to to stay on the platform um so uh, that will prevent advertisers and uh mainstream users from really um taking to the platform
0: mm. yeah it's interesting so I guess probably their their position or Elon's position, I guess, would be that he's, and this is me completely, you know, like like making it up, trying to put myself in his head, is that they're trying to engineer the incentives, right? So they are um, trying to disincentivize spam by removing reach from unverified accounts so that the logic would be that, you know, It costs you if you want to spam, it's going to cost you. If you're serious, then it's not that much money to be a real verified person. And then at the other end, they're trying to incentivize people to create quality content by opening up monetization, which for me feels like quite a big thing. Um, But I am not uh, I'm alas not successful enough to be uh, to be quite monetized yet. I've seen that you are and you have been very admirably transparent about how it's working. Um, And I think that um, I think I mentioned this to you when we spoke previously. I think that will provide real value for particularly the people that subscribe to you. I think it's a really good thing to be doing that you're that you're just completely putting it out there saying this is what's going on. This is how much I'm making. May not be super impressed with uh, the way it's working so far. But if I am impressed in the future, I'll tell you, etc. So like, tell me a bit about that. How is it working for you? And do you think that they can really hope to compete with the likes of YouTube, who obviously have really incentivized quality content with monetization over you know, a long period of time? Do you think that X can, can get into that
1: kind of market? Well, so there's a couple of points to unpack there. So kind of going back to what you said at the start of the point around um, the fact that, you know, by creating a subscription-based platform and, you know, raising the barrier to entry for spammers and scammers, you know, that's that's a good thing. There's, you know, there's no question that that's a, a, a logical, sensible thing to do. And it's obviously been a smart decision in the sense that we've seen Mark Zuckerberg copy that and we've seen snapchat do something similar so there is yeah. there is something in there but again i think the implementation is has a lot left to desire but um but that's cool but there is only still half a percent of the total uses um, sort of, uh, active users on the platform that are uh, verified so in terms of how much was that half a percent you said half a percent
0: wow what's Basically? that I didn't know that. About
1: 500, 600, maybe maybe a bit more, 1,000 accounts in total. And so in terms of how much revenue that generates, clearly it's an insignificant amount, really. It also doesn't seem to be growing at any significant rate with no signs of such benefits that I can see that are going to, Ramp that up um in terms of you know the rest of the 99.5 percent or whatever of users that are not verified therefore can spam admittedly you know his logic is that if you only give those with blue ticks and, and and premium accounts who paid the additional reach and stuff that will kind of curtail it and and maybe it will but but i'm not seeing any signs of of that benefit, if anything, I would say the platform has got more spam, more scams, more toxic content, more problematic content than it ever had. So mm. it, unless I'm missing something, I'm not sure how it's it, this is going to work. Um, in terms of um, the monetization side, yeah, you know, I I so I worked out that in the last six months, I my accounts generated sixty one million impressions, which is a fairly decent number. Yeah, um, good however, going. The monetization is based on the uh, number of um, imp- ad impressions served in the replies um, of your tweets and that those impressions are amongst verified blue check uh, users. So it's like very, very specific. And so actually is it? For me, because my sort of activity is not there to spark huge levels of conversation. Mine's more about I'm a curator of news and I give my opinions and I sometimes get into conversations with people, but it's much more, it's, you know, it's quite a lot different. So the people like me um, don't get a lot of money. So I generated for the month of August um, the amount of £269 or $367, I think the amount was, right. which, you know, depending on your state in the world in terms of finances that's either well that's quite nice for 300 pounds or so for doing what you're already doing you know why are you moaning you're getting something that you weren't getting before Uh, and that's true um but i think that the amount is um for a creator and, and and it's not just me there are other creators as well who've had small amounts i would say is is very nominal and um, for the amount of effort and time and c- content creativity they put into the platform it certainly pales in comparison to nearly every other social platform out there and um, so the, i would say there's a huge incentive for, for my for me and other users and um, some other users however there are some that are benefiting and the ones yeah. that are Happiest are I would imagine out of the very small number of people that are blue check verified and qualify for ad revenue share, I reckon probably only one or two percent maybe even less than those um, that of that group, which is already a small group, are getting the checks that people might have seen of twenty grand and thirty grand and five grand mm-hmm. and seven grand and then the ones that are getting it are the ones that are sparking the most engagement on their um, tweets and so what do you do if you need to spark engagement on social media what have we learned in the last 10 years you be controversial you say kind of highly emotive highly provocative things you spark debates you know you you stir the pot and so yes the incentives that it's creating um, are not aligned to being a, a pleasant platform and a safe one for advertisers, whilst it still relies on that ad, ad revenue. That's quite, a, you know, quite a big thing. So yeah, yeah for me, it's, it, it's the incentives are not there. Um, I think people are shouting me down. The Elon Musk threat fans are kind of like, you said you hate the platform and you're going to quit and you're going to go to threads and all that. And I like, I would love to leave the platform in many ways, but I'm um, unfortunately there isn't a appropriate or like for like that I still see is viable yet to uh, to kind of replace what I do on Twitter. I'm also a business person. I you know I, you know I didn't get to where I am without making sensible business decisions, and the most sensible business decision for now, which may well change, is there's a slight balance in the favour of staying on X because it offers just enough sort of benefit with um without the hassles and the risks and issues to make it the right decision for now, for me, for the needs that I have. But that that could easily shift. And if I had a choice, I would rather be somewhere else.
0: Interesting. Um yeah, I mean that's a really interesting point you make about like because often I think a lot of your output you're like a like a newswire for social media managers, right? Or people that work in the industry. Um you're like a yeah like a like a Reuters that's specific to an industry which has real value i think um but you're right it may not necessarily um inspire loads of replies so perhaps there is a disincentive for people creating the kind of content like you do and as you say a higher incentive to just get replies and do you know what it's interesting now that you say it i'm noticing i don't know if you've seen this people are trying to game replies on Twitter now by posting stuff that's obviously wrong so that people reply to correct them. Well, like, the algorithm
1: yeah. was recently updated and it's, he's, one of the things that has been done, which is a, a, a good thing, I think, is the, you know, and I'm not, some people say, oh, you never say anything positive about Elon. You just kind of always, you can never do right. He has done some things that are good. I mentioned earlier that, you know, the clearly that the verification changes to some degree made sense and, yeah. you know, were worthwhile. But the way he does things is often the issue, rather than what he chooses to do. But um, but but in terms of the, um, uh, I've lost my train of thought now. With the, the replies, replies, the 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 open source algorithm now, so you can see what is weighted and and what factors are being used to kind of uh, kind of you know, run the platform. And the latest update has actually been very transparent about what will get you the most amount of engagement in on the platform, the most reach. And it says that if you, for every single reply you generate to one of your tweets, it will be weighted at 20, um, the same equivalent as something like, I think it's 27 or 37 retweets, something like that. It's, it's quite a large wow. number. Um, it's that much more heavy. So, you know, if you had a tweet and uh, you got some replies, it's far more valuable than a, a, a retweet is in terms of how much algorithm um, boosting you'll get. And then wow. if you reply to those replies to your tweet and then someone else replies back to your reply and you have that constant back and forth the the multiples continue in terms of this uh, of amplification in terms of the algorithm so the game now is just generate tweets that generate replies and reply to as many of those retwe- um, um, tweets and um, replies as possible and that will be your Biggest hack, shortcut, trick to getting um, activity and engagement on on the platform, and yes. it, you can see how that could be a good thing because sparking debate is is often a good thing and having meaningful conversations with people. But the sorts of people that are now heavy users of the platform, the sorts of people that are most, you know. Uh, likely to pay to um to um to, to qualify for this sort of amplification are people that are super fa- fanatical about elon musk who are right wing and an alt platform people you might find on 4chan and people you might find on any number of the other alternative platforms where anybody's banned on another social platform goes those are the people that are likely to pay for twitter blue and we are seeing that and then those are the ones that are create ad revenue share incentivized as well. And those are the people that are going to get the most amplification based on the latest changes to, um, that we've seen to the platform. So it's all shaping up for, for me as a platform that is not going to be pleasant um, and it's not going to get better anytime soon for those that want it to be less toxic and less controversial and less free speechy. Mm,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I mean, this is, I don't know how
1: shameful this is
0: to admit, but like, I kind of find some of that, more engaging i don't know like you know like well, uh, that
1: people do and you know yeah. we've seen before that you know like people there uh, there is a certain um groups of people in in general that you know are drawn to kind of um being as opinionated and as controversial yeah. as possible and, and kind of and you it triggers you you know people get intrigued and it's it's addictive and you get you get into these spats and so um, i'm fully addicted I'm, yeah uh, and Twitter twitter like you know, before Elon Musk, you know, Twitter was always known to be a place where people go and shout as loud as they can yeah. and, and just be angry about things. And, yeah. And, and
0: things it has also. kind of always been like that, hasn't it? Like, like you know, <clears throat> a, a bit, I've been on Twitter for a long time now and it has always kind of been a bit of a cesspit, right? <laughs> like, I, I kind of feel like that's part of the reason why people... Like it, well, it in a way. It
1: was always a, a little bit of a hell site in, the, in yeah, the past. It's yeah. now just even more so, and <laughs> the 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 kind of the mix up, the mixture of of the, the people that are on there. There is an increased amount of people that are, into to my mind, sort of the worst characters in those sorts of spats. People that will, you know, conspiracy theorists. People that you know have strong opinions on politics and religion, and and often opinions and views that are not only highly different to the the what you might class as mainstream but the the ferocity and the the vile nature in which they're happy and prepared to express themselves about those things and at the detriment and and to anyone on the receiving end of their vitriol, you know they, they, that that's that's the problem. You know, I, they, I've got no problem with people having opinions, um, different opinions to me. I think free speech is a very good thing, and I think it's important that people have the right to do that. But free speech, I think still has limits it doesn't mean that i can should be able to go on a platform and share pictures of a dead baby or i can go on a platform and and talk about or sexualized images of children and say kind of things that things i think it's amazing i love it i think it's perfectly fine and be allowed to say those things they're highly offensive they're Mm -hmm. by anyone's standard inappropriate and not deemed as needed or necessary to have a civilized debate and i think that you know free speech has its limits and i don't think elon cares for that too much no um
0: so in contrast to the picture that we've just spent uh some time painting of twitter um the free speech absolutist cesspit <laughs> let's say um which you know i uh, have to admit that i i am still a 100 percent um
1: well i'm uh, still there it, as well i'm, I'm in still it there all is the as time
0: well. so i can't I, you know like i i think i you know I, I I think I, I tend to agree with you on, on some of the points you make. Like, definitely, I don't think... I'm definitely not a free speech absolutist. Like, you know, you've raised some examples there. I think, yes, for sure, we can't just be a... We can't just turn it into a asylum. Do you know what I mean? Like, there has to be limits. On the other side, we have threads. And I have to admit, I haven't really looked at threads too much. I haven't, I haven't found it's got the same level of, like... I don't know it doesn't grab me in the same way. What's your take? Are you all in on threads? Are you finding it super
1: engaging, or have you been disappointed so far? So I was you know really kind of keen for it to be as awesome and obviously wanted it to be the the off off ramp for Twitter that I could take to transport what I do on Twitter to another platform and there was we i think high hopes that it it would be. I think there is still possibilities that it could be Um, I think my first day impression which I think um, was included in lots of articles with people sort of picking up on commentary about what people thought you know I my first opinion in the first 24 hours was this is good it's very good I think that was something like that was my words it looks great it it looks like really slick I think it's simple. It looks. It, it's. It, it's strategically, unashamedly, very similar to Twitter in terms of the core functionality. It's like I describe it as Twitter with an Instagram skin. Um, yeah. It's kind of like. It's definitely, and I think this is one of the major problems for, for people who are on Twitter and feel like I do. And I think there are quite a lot of people that are similar to me. Like They, they use Twitter in some professional capacity or, um, uh, as a journalist or as a creator or, or a heavy user of the platform who don't make any money from it and don't like the changes that Elon's made and have all the concerns that I've got but are desperately looking for somewhere else to go. I think there's a, that, that's a big part of why that launch for Threads was so successful, because there was a pent-up mm-hmm. demand for an alternative to Elon's hell site. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's not proved to be the kind of thing that people want it to be yet. And one of the kind of things that suggests it might never be is the fact that uh, Adam Mazzari, the head of Instagram, who's in charge of the product for Threads, has said, you know, Quite, I think people misreported it, but his words were along the lines of we're not going to do anything to encourage or incentivize or in, um, you know, motivate journalists, news, politics and all of the stuff that kind of is at the heart of Twitter to shift onto their platform because they recognize the problems that that causes. They've also got a, an atrocious and kind of pretty much destroyed relationship with the news and media industry anyway, given what they're doing in Australia, what's happening in Australia and Canada with, you know, banning of news content and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And we you know, they've scolded um, their, and burnt their bridges in terms of relationships from, with publishers. But that aside, they don't seem to want to court it. But I think it will, if it's going to go over there, it will migrate in, over there and people will, you know, see it in, anyway. But the platform just doesn't feel like Twitter in the way that maybe people need and want it to for those that want it to be a direct replacement Um, Mm -hmm. because it it still doesn't have that real-time sense to it it doesn't feel you know if you if if you say that Twitter was the kind of the the bustling sort of city town square where everyone's shouting and talking and it's you know I think you'd say that Threads is more like kind of the kind of goofy kind of beach house where it's a bit more laid back and and (laughs) the things you would say and do over in the city town square um, would be very different to what you would do in in the beach house and i think that's kind of sets the scene as to why the content is still quite different and i don't know whether that vibe will shift so i think that's one issue i think the other issue threads has got is that you don't it doesn't really have any it hasn't found its place yet like where does it where does it fit in terms of most people's kind of uh use of social media like it's not instagram but it's got is tied to Instagram. There has a lot of similarities to it, clearly. It's sort of Twitter, but it's not really Twitter. Uh, And it has the ability to do video and some other bits and pieces, but it's not a YouTube or a TikTok. And so then you're left, certainly I felt, I'm like, well, if I wanna do Tweety, Twitter sort of stuff, Twitter still is by far the place to do it, not threads. If I want to do video in order there's I go to YouTube and TikTok and I start going through all the things I'd use social media for. And I'm like, so what, what do I use threads for? Well, you know, yeah. what, what, where does it fit in? What, what's, what's, what purpose is it serving that it's not served by anything else? And I, I don't think I have identified that. So my usage in the first week, I, generated i've got like eleven and a half thousand followers on threads it, which came in the first seven days which was phenomenal because of the tie-up with the instagram um which was um genius and very sort of sensible of them to do to kind of give it that lift um but I've, i found myself using it less and less I, I generally just share like one or two things a week there they're, they're, mm-hmm. I'm, i just can't find a reason to be there um at this time so that's a problem for them, I think. Um, I think in terms of everything else, in terms of functionality, yeah, there's still missing some key features. Um, I think the ad- advertising bit and the creative monetization stuff, that won't take them long to layer on top. And that will help or give um, certain types of users another reason to be there. But final point, I think, is that that I think many people have said if, if, threads or if Instagram wants threads to be successful. It's not gonna be successful by being exactly like Twitter because Twitter was never very successful in terms of <laughs> as, as, a biz- as a business. It kind of yeah, yeah. 300 odd million people compared to most other major platforms which are yeah. multiple billion users. Um, it, it wasn't successful in that sense. And revenue wise, it, it made most years, it made a loss. I don't think it made profits more than once or twice um, out of its history. So it has to kind of tread this really difficult line of being a bit like Twitter, enough like Twitter that the people who want to get out of Twitter to do things that they do on Twitter to come over, but it can't be too much like it because they don't want the news and all of the politics and all the aggro that comes with it. It needs to be something that's different so that the people who never use Twitter because they didn't think it was for them or hated the site and they were the other, they were elsewhere on TikTok and everywhere else, they they need to create a platform that's going to appeal to those people, which Twitter wasn't, so it's quite a difficult challenge, and I, I think the question that sits with me now, as we, where we are, is: um, is the situation that Instagram and, and, and Threads will never be a multi-billion user platform and as popular, as, uh, you know, more popular than what Twitter ever became because text-based social media just isn't appealing. It's never gonna have the potential to do anything more. And it's, it's, you know, maybe Twitter actually got as much as you can get from a platform that's it's centered around text as it's kind of key format, or not. Um, and interestingly, TikTok this month has, and this week has launched uh, text. Based posts, so everybody's having a stab at it because now's the time. While while there's blood in the water and Twitter is or X is wounded, let's all have a go at doing a text-based social platform. But I yeah. haven't seen one that says says to me that it's going to be a massive hit. So that, that's where we are.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like it kind of feels like you know if you're if you're shooting for a sanitized version of Twitter then you've already got LinkedIn, right? Like it's kind of, you know, if you're looking for a version of, of Twitter that you wouldn't mind showing to your mom and dad and your employer and, you know, it's like um, nice and happy and not the, the you know, the hell site or cesspit or whatever, like that, that's kind of already LinkedIn. And like the other thing I find with, with threads whenever I go on it is like the people I follow on Instagram I don't really care so much like what they think about stuff. Like it's, it's people I know it's
1: a different audience. Like, you know, that's been one of the the kind of really difficult things for Instagram um, and Meta is that they, they had this ability to tie it to its, you know, hit platform Instagram, which had, you know, multiple billions of users, but they, the people that you follow and that follow you on Instagram which this you know link up with threads enabled to kind of automatically sync and follow you also on threads yeah. are very different to the people that you would have follow and you would choose to follow on Twitter and the things that they the people you follow on Twitter share that you choose to share because of what they share and the things you would share on Twitter are very different to, to Instagram so suddenly if you've got a platform that's you're hoping or wanting or maybe it's trying to be a bit like Twitter and then you've got an audience that's a follow- Following that's more aligned to being a bit like your Instagram audience then it's a very confused picture and may well make it very hard to kind of find the right mix of content or what what the right vibe is to strike and I think that's that's part of the problem at the moment people are kind of like it doesn't serve enough of a function that the, the other platforms aren't already serving better and it, it doesn't um, it's confused in terms of the audience that's there um so yeah i think i think that that's that's a, quite a big challenge for them to overcome
0: yeah um, my, my my working theory on threads and i don't know whether you'll agree with this is eventually it will just get in, in, integrated fully into instagram and you just have the option to post a a, a thought in instagram and it'll just be rolled into one because i i can't see, i'm kind of like you i can't see where its place is and i think eventually they'll just sort of roll it in
1: i think that so i I disagree i think what, what i think will happen is that one of the, the two directions that will go will either become a bit like igtv where they thought they would have video integrated more into the app in 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 what they were doing with igtv and then they decided let's go with a separate app it needs to be a separate app and i think it makes sense And it's the right decision for Instagram to make threads a separate app. It couldn't couldn't operate in what was already a very bloated platform. If you imagine having Instagram now as it is and they added a new tab that was kind of content of threads, it would be buried and it would be hardly used. And so I think that would be the wrong decision. And that's why I think that if it doesn't work in the way that they're doing it now, it's more likely to be killed off um or just right. kind of or, or very much a minor kind of platform for them which they'll keep ticking along or mm-hmm. it will you know stay as it is but i, I don't see them rolling it in i think that if anything they're desperately trying to kind of um kill off features and and get rid of some of the bloat on instagram um, i think it's still very early to say um that, that it won't be a success i think i still feel like it's some they've got something there and i think there's enough Will by both them and the people that want it to be something else that's like Twitter to make it successful. And there's a lot of features. That they've still not kind of fully added like desktop um, web-based um, version that is coming in the next few weeks. And I think that's mm-hmm. very significant for the news industry, not that they're saying they want want them there, but for journalists to have that ability to do on desktop and for social media managers. Um, and the I think the, the stuff to do with the decentralized platform stuff is a red herring. I think that that's something that's a, a much further down the line future play. I don't think the average user really cares too much about that. I don't think it'd be a significant part of the, any platform for some time, but they, they need to make moves there um but i think uh when they add ad revenue and they they give it a bit more of an identity and it feels a bit more real time um and maybe that will shift things but i still think it it lacks a, a personality and you know and the thing with tiktok is you know tiktok isn't just a short form video app it's the joyful social media app that kind of it has a very distinct personality if you go to reels on instagram which is effectively the same product really it's a clone of it it even though it's exactly the same and and it is served to you in the same way in in a vertical feed when you're using reels and you're using tiktok you feel differently and it has a different vibe and the content just everything about it screams meta and doesn't have that kind of joyfulness that and the addictiveness that is in tiktok and i think that to some degree um meta seems to have this kind of way of homogenizing and kind of like making it feel very facebooky and that isn't necessarily a good thing because it feels a bit kind of like bland um and they Mm. they don't need bland they need something a bit more spicy i think
0: yeah for sure um how are you for time by the way i've I've sure i'm fine yeah awesome um so you mentioned you know uh the, the fact that instagram has ripped off tiktok we kind of spoke about text-based platforms becoming more prevalent i saw a, a graph on 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 twitter the other day on x the other day um showing all of the different sort of functionalities you know live text uh, newsfeed and all of the platforms are starting to get all the same ones because you've got vertical video on uh, on x as well now it feels like they're all kind of figuring out where the fertile ground is and everybody's going to farm it um to me is that something that has Been a long time coming. Uh, like, I mean, where do you think, what, 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 where's the end game with all this? Is it just a set of apps that are all basically the same?
1: Well, you know, innovation in the social media um, industry has really, you know, dipped away in, in recent years. You know, we've seen some kind of new platforms and formats come up, but they've all died or been cloned and then cloned and then, then died or kind of not been that important. For example, Clubhouse. You know, Clubhouse and Social <laughs> Audio was a very much a product of the lockdown and, and pandemic yeah. and, and that. And then you have Be Real, which, you know, came out with a buzz and then that was cloned pretty quickly and, and it has limited, you know, use now. We've seen Lemonade, which was another Byte Dance platform that got a lot of attention earlier this year and the end of last year. And that seems to have kind of faded away. Do um, you remember Do you remember Yo. Back in the day, I remember Yo, I remember Peach, I remember. Um, uh, there's there's tons of them, when you start looking back at yeah. the uh, yeah. failed social platforms. And they, you know, you know, getting a platform that has network effects and has uh, that can quickly scale and is got a moat that is around it that. Protects it from just being cloned and becoming a, a feature of another app, um, mm-hmm. and having the money, the bankroll. You know, the you know, part of the reason that um, Bike Dance was able to get TikTok to where it is is because they they just outspent everybody, they spent you know billions right. of, of dollars on um user acquisition on numbers of um, even on rival platforms, amongst many other tactics, to to drive up um, you know, quickly the amount of users on their, the amount of content on the platform, and mm-hmm. to some degree, thread success is that is really um, would not be it wouldn't be alive today if it was somebody else had done exactly the same but it wasn't tied to instagram because that scaling quickly is really important with the social platform you need people that you care about and are interested in to be there really early on and creating content so um you know there hasn't been a lot of innovation in the space in, in in social media a lot of the um, newest features and and the kind of the growth areas of social media right now in the last few years has been around uh, private communities and direct messaging and mm. private social people of uh, uh, you know having listened to probably what we've just been talking about um, and the history uh, of social media over the last 10 or 15 years have learned and become savvy that actually being on social media and sharing your thoughts and opinions, things is often punished and, and can cause you career damaging uh, and consequences or it can yeah. lead to um, all sorts of attacks and harassment and all, all the rest of it. So people are sharing privately. So a lot of the Development of Instagram and, and many of the other apps has been around that area of social dark social and private social, um, which in, is interesting, um, and it makes it cha- challenging for advertisers and um, people to kind of who want to reach those audiences if they're not sharing publicly. Um, And I think I saw a video the other day, actually, about Instagram, you know, the majority of activity that goes on on Instagram happens in now within um, the private messaging space. You know, people very rarely are posting comparative to previous years on to feed. And uh, I think um, uh, Adam Mosery was uh, was saying that the people complain, that you don't get um, I don't ever see any of my friends posts anymore in my feed. And he's like, it's not because. We're doing a bad job or the algorithm's rubbish or anything else it's because your friends are not posting to feed because they yeah. are sharing it in group chats and in discords and they're using any other number of things so it is a, it's a very different landscape to what it was um, and in terms of future i think you know we've got quite a lot of uh, converging uh, significant shifts going on in, in tech you know we've got generative ai and ai inject- which has come out of, for many people out of nowhere you've got the metaverse which is a longer term so ar and vr and how will that change what's our main device we consume content and and engage in, in whatever social media we have in, in those sorts of devices um, and we have all sorts of things going on with regulation and people uh, and people's awareness of the risks and dangers of social media so it, it, it's it's a very difficult time to be a social network and it's also uh, a very uh significant shifting point or ch- sort of inflection point i would say for for what ha- what social media will become uh, and at this stage it, it's kind of like all well, the cards feel like they've slightly been thrown up and we're now sort of seeing what the next few years is going to look like yeah
0: yeah it's uh very strange time. They do feel homogenized, I think. And it's almost like that, that, that phenomenon that you mentioned that that people aren't posting much to Instagram. I kind of feel like that was where Facebook were a few years ago. Right. It feels like as with Facebook, so with everyone else, like as soon as, you know, your parents got onto Facebook and and like it became like there were some people on there that you might have friended. You know, like five years ago, you can't really remember who they are anymore. All of a sudden, you're a bit more nervous about about posting. I kind of feel like maybe that's where well, there's that, and there's also
1: we've got this other thing which we haven't mentioned, which is the, um, what's called the you know the creator economy, the, the professionalisation of yeah. social media. You know, like we you know influencer marketing isn't new, and user-generated content, which brands and advertisers use, isn't a new phenomenon. But in terms of where social media was, say in the early part of you know 2010, 2015, and you know people were sharing more publicly, and there was a lot more innovation in, in the space. Um, the um, people kind of stuck to their kind of one or two platforms of preference. So maybe they use Facebook heavily, and maybe they use you know YouTube or whatever mostly. Um, now um, there are. People are using far more social media apps than they ever were. They're, they're spending time across a greater number of networks and platforms and um, often more niche um, um, platforms or in communities within bigger platforms that um, enable them to kind of feel more open and and engaged because it's more like minded people. Um, and uh, there's a large number of people that are users and um, um, consumers of content, but also using it for a business purpose there's there's brands and advertisers and marketers on there but there's a, this whole industry a whole number of users that are semi-pro or pro you know creators and influencers themselves and that's why we've got this big war on now with the platforms with monetization funds yeah. and uh, and so so people's relationship with social as has changed people's expectation of what social is um and also what's permissible um and and we've got even more things that are fighting for our attention, which could be we could be doing with that time when we are scrolling through TikTok or whatever else. And so, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of shifting sand that is going on that makes um, social quite exciting but kind of confused place. Mm,
0: indeed. Um, so I want to kind of uh, start uh, wrapping up by. You mentioned generative AI. I would love to get your take on just where where the state of the industry is at at the moment. So how much time are you spending with your clients talking about AI and what kind of form are those taking with with advertisers, with brands like what, what what kind of conversations are you having?
1: Well, my line of work, typically, um, some consultants are dealing with paid social uh, a lot more heavily than I do. And are involved in content creation, maybe a lot more than I do. You know, my mind tends to be far more zoomed out and sort of strategic from a from a higher a higher vantage point. Um, yeah. And I tend to work with typically larger global companies, less than you know, small to medium sized companies. Um, and that's quite a significant point because I think the some of the biggest impacts that people are seeing with AI in terms of advertising and marketing and social media is the platforms. Really ramping up uh, and investing in making their ad products better because of with AI. So making targeting even more sophisticated and automated, um, and enabling um, companies and uh, uh, brands and advertisers to create content without having to need maybe a separate expert kind of content creator to do it for them. They can use generative AI to produce the image or come up with um, sort of catchy slogans and captions for content and stuff. So that's that's had a significant impact. Um, and, and we'll see more and more of that as it get more sophisticated in, in the years uh, ahead. Uh, we've also seen platforms like YouTube and TikTok using AI to help make the content creation process for regular users but also more professional creators simpler and easier so you know auto cropping of content for them um automatically detecting you know what's in the video and and suggesting effects or suggesting music that could be used on them so all of these things are going on as, as well as use of uh, AI to improve the um, sophistication of the algorithms. You know, Meta's spent the last few years trying to catch up with TikTok in terms of uh, shifting from a social graph to a recommendations engine, and it's kind of slowly getting there now. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that's a big area. In terms of my clients, I think you know most of them are, the social teams are trying to figure out how do we embed AI into our workflow in a way that actually adds value rather than is a kind of um, novelty um, or actually creates just as much work as it kind of takes away from us. Because uh, at the moment, I think there's... I think it's like you know, fifty tools a week seem to come out that you know, yeah. AI powered such and such, AI powered this, and so uh, there's a bit of fatigue with that. There's a, there's a whole skill and of, a knowledge area that needs to be developed within many businesses and organisations within social teams and um, and the wider marketing team of prompts and and prompt engineering. You know, it, having these tools where you can ask in natural language come up with 17 sort of slogans to use for a newsletter open, you know, to make maximum open rates, whatever. You, there's so many ways you can say that and sort of program these um, AI and, and, and uh, large language models to kind of give you uh, a response that will be useful. Um, knowing how to use them and, and get the most out of them and exploit them is is a, is a skill in itself. And that's uh, a fairly large learning curve for some um, but for me, I, you know, I use it for, you know, I use it to create my cover images for my newsletter, which is a significant thing for me. I would, that would cost a lot of my time and a bit of my money, which I don't need to spend now. Um, and I also, mid journey. sorry, uh, so mid-journey, mid-journey? Um, yeah. I use, I use a combination uh, to be honest, uh, you know, uh, pretty much the, the mainstream, um, uh, tools that are out there, but, that, but increasingly, you know, the. Uh, OpenAI's and and a couple of other kind of dominant platforms are being integrated into can, you know Canva and into Adobe mm. and, and other platforms, yeah, yeah. and I think that's the thing that's gonna people don't most I would imagine that most people don't want seventeen different AI powered tools. They want the tools that they're using to be better than what they are now with AI as a layer on top that's been integrated into it. And so for me, many, I get all these tools that come across my desks, so or this is a really cool thing that does you know helps you send email Emails without you having to write you know you can figure it, figures out what you want to say but most of them are separate from what I'm already using it requires an additional plugin. it requires additional steps and then it's not 100% great it's sort of like 70% great and so I still have to kind of tweak things and every time I've done all of that it's not worth it so for me many many of the sort of benefits I'm others may be getting from it I'm still finding that uh, there's too much intervention required to kind of correct the mistakes or to perfect it so it's it's not there yet but I think one of the interesting areas from from a social media marketing point of view um, and this goes for creators as well as for brands is chatbots you know this was messaging bots where you can get answers to questions from customer service and figure out you know your train ticket issues or fix a complaint whatever it is normally these Chatbots for the last 10 years have been pre-programmed with a set level of knowledge and uh, statements that it will say. And if you say the, something it doesn't recognize, it will give you a generic response back. And they weren't very helpful. They didn't feel very human. And they didn't really help brands and businesses as, well, as, as much as they kind of expected or hoped them to. But this shifts things dramatically in their favor. And so that that's a whole area of benefit to companies in terms of making cost efficiencies, being able to serve customers better in what feels a very natural way. Um, and, and and when you start laying on top things it can do for you and think about what all of the things that brands could do to make it uh, more useful to you um, when you engage with it. And beyond just answering a simple question, um, like, giving you the bill to download can you give me three copies of my statement to download and can you also tell me what what people did i call on the 7th of november and and what's the charge you know and it can do all of those things you know within limits you should expect nowadays that ai and the chatbots are set up can do to do that and a lot more so i think that that's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting area to see how they use it um ai going forwards yeah yeah um yeah the
0: the the, the, the level of the volume of output, I think, is just going to be transformed, isn't it? Like, there's just so much more surface area with a brand between a brand and its customers. You can just have so
1: many more in-depth well, I conversations. Think, with such uh, I a think social level media level managers level. and advertisers and marketers it professionals are kind of like, the, as with all these things, when there's a technology shift um, uh, and a paradigm shift, it's like, is this going to replace my job? And is this mm. going to mean that I get paid less and things? And I, I, I There are lots of studies already out there that suggest certain industries will be more impacted than others. And there's certain areas that will um, make gains and others that will make losses. But certainly for me as a social media consultant and for those that maybe follow me that are social media managers, it's more going to be enabling um, them to do um, other things and focus on things that maybe are more value adding to offload some of the things that they don't want to do or don't need to do because now there are the tools that can do it for them like image generation like coming up with copy that's really useful and matches your brand voice because you've taught the um, the um, the ai to to learn that and then giving you capacity to do more things and maybe the things that you would spend money on as a team to to sort because you didn't have the capacity to edit video down remove or edit a podcast remove all the bits and pieces out of it and create a cover image and help you come with all of that stuff can be done by some, some by an AI which doesn't require you to pay someone else to do that. So there's money to be spent on other things. So I think it's more a case of the workflow and the um, the things that the teams will be doing and the capacities that they will be freed up are, are going to be many of the gains um, for for many social media managers. That's how how it seems at this stage.
0: Mm. Well, it'll certainly be interesting to see how it. How it develops over time, I find it incredibly exciting, but also uh, somewhat terrifying. <laughs> um, but you know, we haven't uh... seen any
1: exoskeletons with red eyes running around yet. We're <laughs> we're, we're some way away from it. But um, I, I I I don't doubt that there will be a uh, moment of crisis when we look back and think, this, this we should have been a bit sort of slower and a bit more measured with our implementation. And, and I think yeah. that's, part, that's where we are with, I think, you know, the regulators and in various industries that are seeing the you know, jeopardy, like certainly the music industry has got major concerns over copyright concerns with deep fakes. And there are all sorts of other um, industries that like news industry in terms of you know, their content being used and um, for training some of these models and, uh, and same with creators. So there, there are those concerns, but there are, you know, all sorts of, uh, Scary other things that you know make the great Hollywood scripts that may or may not come to fruition. But um, yeah. at the moment, it's. I mean,
0: um, how far how far down the rabbit hole have you gone on doomerism? Well, I, I, I do like to kind of kind of,
1: um, the week. Well, I'm am a black mirror, mirror fan, so I kind of like the more ridiculously um dystopian the world is the more exciting it it, it sort of feels to me certainly when it's through the lens of a netflix documentary or or tv show but um but yeah i I, when you start reading some of the kind of there was one this week actually that they had this um, tool ai tool that was able to listen to the audio of yourself um typing um and it would be able to tell you tell what your password was from your keystrokes from the audio of it and oh, then you start thinking like we don't need to give scammers and spammers these kind of like abilities. Disgusting. They already have ways to kind of convince us to click on links and then send on friends on Messenger these dodgy kind of content. So uh, yeah, you know yeah. we we only seen the beginnings of how how it will be abused.
0: God, yeah. I'll make sure I won't type in my password to anything while I'm uh, while the mic's live. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Jesus. Um, all right. Well, look. Um, one last question for you, uh, Matt, the, uh, the Musk-Zuck cage
1: fight, who's winning? Well, we've just heard in today, as we're recording this, that it's, it's green light. We are go. And he, Musk has spoken to the Italian, um, uh, whoever it is in Italy that just can give him permission to kind of fight there. And, uh, <laughs> them to host it and that's, it's a fucking mad world isn't it like well, you just, it's like, the most twisted bizarre story if you were to kind of like look at the news uh, like and, and if you have to travel through time and say a story some of the headlines we've seen in the last year about elon musk yeah. and the many other things he's been involved in it would it, it, be like some sort of movie scripts again but yeah. but yeah no yeah. i think that um it's going to be an interesting battle if it does happen. And bear in mind that Elon Musk makes a lot of promises and says a lot of things that don't actually happen. <laughs> so I'm still skeptical whether we'll see this actual fight, but if it does, my money is a hundred percent on Mark Zuckerberg. He seems to be far fitter, leaner. He's got a what blue belt jiu-jitsu now. Yeah. Um, he's um, if you look at, well, the last pictures I saw Elon Musk, he was on the back of a boat and he looked like this just big, White ball of kind of unfit fifty, however old he's 40, 50 something. So yeah. I, I believe he's training now with UFC and and other people. So I'm sure he'll be in tip top condition. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 sticking my money behind Zuck on this one.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. He's Zuck seems to be
1: legitimately good at, at jujitsu. From like he won a tournament. I kind recently. of want to see Elon Musk get his ass kicked, and, and <laughs> like, equally it wouldn't. Elon's uh, bigger. Elon's a lot bigger. That's the one. He's, thing got, he's, he's, he's a heavyweight. He's a bruiser more than yeah. <laughs> but I think the speed and the svelte nature of um, kind of uh, I, th- yeah. I, think, I think we've got more chance of seeing Zook land a few punches so uh, well we may, we may well see that before the year is out that might make for the most insane uh, news headline of kind of yeah. uh, Mark Zuckerberg um, flaws knocks out in the third round Elon Musk we'll see
0: yeah mad mad world um, well look Matt thanks so much for coming on um, it's been a really really insightful conversation um, and uh yeah thanks for your time and um yeah hopefully we'll get you back on again sometime soon
1: thanks for having me complete decades. heads welcome running baby complete decades. heads welcome running baby complete decades. heads welcome running baby complete decades. heads welcome running baby